0: In listening to a conversation the other morning, I'd like to borrow a quote from a friend. It's regarding interactions or feedback that are hard to swallow. She said that you can think about it for a bit and then respond professionally, but then let it go. Don't let it take up space in your mind, rent free. And I'd like to expound on that stuff. It doesn't just take space in your brain, it actually grows toxic mold And it ruins your thought life when it hasn't been maintained. I speak from personal experience on this one. And I'm also going to share a testimony of conquering. I've been walking with God for a long time. And I have been running a business for a long time. But I do still come up against problems for which there's no perceivable solutions. My husband thinks I'm OCD. And I might very well be. I tend to become what I would call hyper-focused or fixated when it comes to getting closure. It's taken my whole life, but I've had to digest the idea that for some things there are no answers and there's no closure while here on the earth. Admitting that you don't know or that you don't have the solution for something is freeing, really. God knows the answer and he has the solution and I trust him. But just knowing this hasn't been enough for me. I can't just let it go. The phrase, don't let it take up any space in your brain rent-free, really struck me. I found it profound, and it's a phrase that I've thought about before, and I've even done teaching on it. But her exact wording in that context seemed to encapsulate really well what I've been grappling with. So don't give certain thoughts or issues any squatter's rights in your mind. I actually think it's ridiculous that squatter's rights even exists. Because me, in my lack of mercy and compassion, I don't think that squatters deserve to even have any rights. You get a home because you pay for it or you build it yourself. You get an apartment or a condo because you're willing to pay rent to the smart businessman who gave you the opportunity to live there in the first place. So it's not like they're taking advantage of you for asking for rent money or payment. They're just requiring that you be a good citizen and do what you said you would do. Or if you're owed a debt, you go ahead and ask for it. Make sure that it's taken care of so that it's not left hanging in the air. And that's going to make room for resentment and bitterness because eventually you feel taken advantage of, and sometimes it happens because you will. we don't have to get taken advantage of all the time. We don't have to allow those things to happen, but we do need to put some tools in our pockets so that we can pull them out on occasion when we need them. I'm going to speak from personal experience here. We all have our weaknesses and we all have our strengths, but I do have a tendency to become OCD. That's the way my husband terms it. I like to tease him and I tell him I'm actually just hyper-focused. I'm very determined and I think I just focus well, but I do tend towards what I term hyper-focus and that can be a little unhealthy. When I come up with something that I can't seem to come up with a conclusion to or bring closure, it just bothers me over and over and over again. And I might keep turning it, but I don't get anywhere. And I'm just hoping that eventually I'm going to get some kind of a clue or some kind of a hint or God himself is going to walk in the room and give me all the information that I'm trying to seek for. I remember years ago, I was just on my knees with a situation that I was desperate to come up with some answers and some insight, and I was just saying, Lord, please speak to me on this issue. I wasn't hearing anything, and I said, God, you have to speak to me on this. You have to reveal this. I did clearly hear him speak. He said, nope, I don't have to give you the answer to that. And I said, well, why not, Lord? And he said, well, because it's none of your business. If you're searching through the scriptures, you should be able to find answers because the Bible is full of solutions and answers to mysteries. And it's true that you will gain wisdom and you will find some answers like little pearls. But it certainly doesn't mean that we get to know everything as much as we want to because you're not God, I'm not God, and in our humanness, There's some information that we probably can't handle. And God knows that. He's all-knowing. He's all-seeing. He's everywhere. And His Spirit lives within us if we've asked Him to. But that certainly doesn't mean we're going to know everything and get it perfect every single time. Compelling or obsessive-compulsive thinking. I actually don't feel that I'm worrying or fretting because I don't feel fearful about it. I'm just seeking, and I'm trying to figure it out. Truth be told, I've got a pretty high level of faith. I'm one of those gals that can stand at the foot of a mountain and say, well, move yourself. The Bible said I could speak like that. And I tend to operate in that level of faith. We are supposed to give everything over to the Lord, put it into His capable hands, and free our own brains from it. In His time, He will take care of all things. And so I trust him. I believe you trust him. It's not going to make my life or your life perfect, though. It doesn't mean that it's uncomplicated, but yet we can trust him at all times. We can believe that, yes, indeed, he does have the answers. But even so, my mind does fall into that hyper focus. But a revelation came to me one evening when I was in one of those seasons of just turning things over and over in my mind and Trying to, it's like I would speak to it and say, you need to get out of my mind, or I'm going to go out of my mind. But it came to me that I was actually practicing idol worship. I didn't see that coming. I'd never thought of it before. We as Christians in the Western world, we don't believe that we practice idol worship. It seems so a long time ago, kind of almost primitive. Most of us don't have little idols in the corner of our house. And even non-Christians will say they don't have idols. And if I have things in my mind that are sitting on the throne of my mind, where only Jesus is supposed to be sitting, then it's an idol. There's a concern there, and it's become so big that it's magnified bigger than my faith in God. So that's a sin. It's an issue. It's an area of mistrust, and it needs attention. So I've got the Holy Spirit. He's my mentor. He's my coach. He searches all things, and He can understand things that I can't understand. All the kings, all the leaders, all the presidents, all the wise people, they can't understand it. But the spirit and the breath of God Himself, who created all things and lives everywhere and knows all things and is all-powerful, He can help. Sometimes I've literally got to stop, take a breath, step to the side, and remind myself who's in charge, who's actually got the answers, and who might very well be hiding or holding back the answers to something that I want to know so badly. And that's his prerogative. He's God, right? In order to keep me safe as one of his children and to give me peace of mind, there's just certain things he's going to hide from me, he's going to blind me from it, and I don't need to know it. So because he loves me and he's protecting me, he might say, it's none of your business, child. But there have been times for me as a business owner or years ago when I was living and working out on mission field, that I would come upon or stumble upon something that I did not have the answer to. And I couldn't get past it. I'd literally get stuck. It didn't matter if I was washing the dishes, scrubbing the floors out running, out walking. I'm trying to teach a dance class. And 70% of my brain was engaged with what I was actually doing at the time. But the other 30% was still on the unresolved issue. If it involved a person who had hurt me or there had just been disharmony with them, I could literally see their face in the forefront of my mind. It's like they would just be right there and maybe that sounds weird and unusual to you. But for me as an artist and or visual person, this was a real experience. When I say was, it still is a real experience sometimes. I'm just being transparent with you here. I'm being real. I don't think I'm the only person in the world that has experienced this. So I'm trusting that somebody out there is going to resonate with this. I don't think I'm a crazy person. <laughs> I think I'm a regular person. I'm an artist. And I'm dealing with things that are unredeemed in the world and also within me. So this is an area where I still need healing. Some of you probably need healing in the same area. I need wisdom. You need wisdom. I need God. You need God to do more of his work in our lives. And he will in his time. There's a verse that says, he who began a good work in us will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's our finisher. He's going to be working until the day of perfection. I'm not a product of perfection quite yet, but I have potential. We bo- we all have potential because of God's work in us. It's kind of like the Lord searches and he finds those broken places in us. And he just shows up with a big tube of super glue and he starts sealing the cracks. The super glue is the presence of God. And any place I've got a crack or a wound or a hole, it can be filled. So we hit perfection by grace, super glue grace. But as long as that idol is allowed to practice squatting in the rent-free area of my brain, there will be no room for the good stuff, for the better stuff. And we shouldn't settle. If we allow this to continue, we're allowing the comfortable, but we're missing out on the better. Why would we settle for the easy path when we can intentionally push forward on the harder thing that's actually going to get you the results that you need? Don't settle in your habits just because it's what you've done before, like whatever's going to take the least brain power because we think that's relaxing. Don't be willing to think and deceive yourself that you're happy and content with something mediocre because God's not calling you to mediocre. Don't be satisfied. Let's press forward. Let's run the race. In the great cloud of witnesses, there are cheerleaders of God that are breathing on your back and they're cheering you on. And so let's listen to that instead of the demonic squatters of the mind. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with filling your mind. It's just a question of what are you filling it with? Being hyper focused can probably be exactly the same as letting information take up space in your mind rent free. It's a matter of the material or the quality of the material that's taking up the space in your brain rent free. If I'm studying something and it's moving my life forward and it's glorifying God and I'm memorizing scripture, then I think being hyper focused on that, it's a good thing. People tend to get all triggered by the word addiction. oh we don't want to have an addictive personality. But if I'm addicted to the scriptures, that's moving me forward. Going back to the idea of dwelling on things that we don't have the answer to, I think that indeed that can become idol worship. And I'm not going to say borderline idol worship because it's black and white. It either is or it isn't. Truth is very solid. I wouldn't use the phrase, oh, I'm on the spectrum of sort of being a Christian, or I'm on the spectrum of practicing idol worship. No, no, no. It's pretty black and white. There's definitely right and wrong. So for me, allowing ungodly thoughts and fretful things to take up space in my mind rent-free, this is placing an idol in a position where Jesus is supposed to be seated in my brain and who's going to sit there. Do I place my own personal desires and ambitions there Do I place my discouragement and my fear there? I don't know if that's the right position for my bitterness, my anger, my grudges. There is where I put the object of my worship. But what is it that I'm going to worship? Now, there's a thought for you. Hmm? The object of my worship. What am I fixated on? If Jesus' word is right in the front of my brain or sitting right there on the throne, I'm going in the right direction and overthinking about a situation that was hurtful and hasn't been brought to resolve yet. And I'm literally seeing that person's face or the pain of the situation that surrounds it right in front of my eyes, then they're sitting in the wrong spot and they need to move. So I've said this one before, but the way to get unstuck, get moving forward, and get that garbage off the throne room of your brain is forgiveness. If you can't forgive, ask for the supernatural help of God, because He does come to rescue us when we're in a hard place. So just ask Him to help you. You know the principle. You're supposed to forgive, but we don't want to be fake about it and say, oh, I forgive them, when we know very well that we haven't. So we don't want to be hypocritical. You don't feel any different, so you do it again. We keep pressing forward, keep saying the right thing. And I forgive again and again, and I don't feel different, but I'm going to do it again until eventually it does click. The supernatural power of God steps in and I can move on. The second principle of getting unstuck is what I call replacement. So if I'm still sitting and I'm gazing upon the same old thing day after day after day, I'm claiming that that's the kind of thing that I'm trying to move on from, but I'm still gazing at it, it doesn't work because I'm going to drive in the direction that I'm looking on the road. So I'm probably going to live in the direction that I'm gazing in the spirit. So I shouldn't have returned to the old spot. That's a sign that I haven't grown from it. Chances are high that I am still pondering and thinking, well, how could I have done this differently? What could I do to change the past? Maybe I'm even trying to change the other person. They hurt me. They really annoy me, and I think they need to readjust their lives. Somehow I've deceived myself thinking it's in my ball court to actually do that, but it's not working, is it? How's that working for you? So let's try replacing those thoughts, just plain and simple. Just think about something else. I remember being in the best place in the world a few years back. I was on an Alaskan cruise with my husband and his family, I'd gotten up early in the morning to go down to the gym, and they had the treadmill set up in such a way that you were looking out over the water while you did the walk on this machine. Now, how cool does that sound? Think of the scenery on your right, your left, and right in front of you of cruising through Alaska, and you're not watching TV, you're not staring at a white wall, you're looking out over the ocean and traveling. It was glorious it's what you wish life would be about all the time. But guess what? My mind wasn't there. It was back home on the last hurtful, heinous thing that had happened at the dance studio. That was before I left on the cruise. And I cheapened my experience of this once-in-a-lifetime experience with these people on this ship on this particular spot in the ocean, on this particular cruise ship, at that exact time in the morning by allowing a hurtful person to come along for the ride. My brain had given space to a person who didn't deserve the space. And I'm not devaluing that actual person. I'm saying they didn't deserve that spot in my precious, priceless mind that God has given to me. The way that their behavior affected me and the hurtful results were lingering, and there shouldn't have been any validation. I'd already said that I forgave them. I wanted to move forward, but I was S-T-U-C-K stuck. And there they were on the Alaskan cruise with me, seated on the precious throne Of my mind. And maybe the fact that I'm even bringing it up in a podcast here says that there's still a little residue. I've at least got the memory of it. But the fact that it took so much mental energy and so much time speaks to me that it did create scar tissue. But I want to use what I've learned and I want to share it with you so that hopefully it won't take you as long to process things like this. Now, I'm sorry to digress. But I gotta tell you something. I can get distracted and then other times I'm hyper-focused. But I just saw a broken Ken doll. <laughs> I'm driving along, I had to curve to the side, and I see something in the middle of the road. I thought, what is that? There's Ken in his bathing suit with no head. I don't know why he was laying there. It's just there in the middle of the street and it made me laugh. So Ken. Doll in his bathing suit without a head laying in the side of the street. Thank you so much for that mental digression. I probably needed it, and so did my listeners. Okay. Third principle reading the scriptures. The Bible is the living word of God. There is life in the word, it is a supernatural, it has power to heal, restore, and redeem the mind. It has the power to get you moving in the direction that God has designed for you. So number one, forgive. Forgive yourself, the situation, and the person involved. Number two, replace. Find other things to think about and dwell upon. Find other things to work for. Go for the good stuff. Number three, read the scriptures. Meditate on the scriptures. Memorize the scriptures. Because that empty space in your head has to be filled with the right stuff. If I have a rental property, and I'm talking a real rental property, not the one just in my brain here, and I leave it unattended, it won't be long before the tweakers move in. Somebody who doesn't have a home of his own, he has no productive goal, he is going to move in. And I'll tell you, he's not going to mow the lawn and wash the dishes and do the things he should be doing as A productive person who's residing there? Nope. He's probably going to vandalize, neglect, clog up the toilets. Maybe he's going to take a can of spray paint and tag all the walls. I'll come home and find his gorgeous initials. So I've got to repaint the house, but it doesn't mean that he gets to stay. Squatters and tweakers are not neutral. They're not just going to stay there and exist. It's going to cause the property to go down. They are destructive. It could be a psychological tweaker or an actual person that wandered it off the street and moved into your vacant rental property, but they're both bad. So let's become violent in our ways of taking action. Let's destroy and annihilate the evil one. Let's take... Let's take away the power of the idols squatting in our minds and become healthy, productive, conquering individuals living in the full potential that God designs for us.